Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and welcome back to the show, my longtime co-host, the OG co-host, David Begin. Thanks for having me, Henry. It's always a pleasure to be on your wildly successful <laughs> podcast. Well, you helped me make it wildly successful well, back just, in the day. I just gave you a little nudge and you took it from there. That's right. So you're in your Colorado Springs studio. Is that right? We we are in the Colorado Springs headquarters of Car Wash OS. That's right. And I'm in my Florida studios. So uh, that's where we are today. We're going to chat about what I'm calling finding your identity. It kind of reminds me of that REM song, Finding Your Religion, I think was the title mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what I was thinking there when I wrote that. But so I'm going to talk about finding your identity, uh, your personal identity, which is predominantly based on, for us, being what I'm terming and others have termed being a small business hero. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Or a successful entrepreneur often is how we as business owners identify ourselves. And so uh, this is actually can hold you back, though, while you own the business. And certainly, David's going to share some experiences of how he was challenged with it after he sold his highly successful business. So we're going to share our experiences and tips and ideas, and then I'll have for you some specific actions that you can take to help you perhaps evolve your identity. It's not all bad that your identity might be wrapped around being a business owner, because certainly, you know, we all know the sacrifice, the, uh, the, the, the commitment that it takes to be successful in business. So it's understandable. So that's what we're going to try to unpack today. Uh, if you want to get more information about the Howa Business Podcast, including the show notes page for this episode, where I'm going to have a lot of the detail on the how to perhaps evolve your identity, go to the show notes page for this episode. On my website, you can also find information on my one-on-one -on -one and group coaching programs. And so all of that is at thehowabusiness.com. I also encourage you to subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode so that you don't miss any of my future episodes. So with all of that said, David, begin. Welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Henry. I always appreciate being on it. All right. So let's get right into it. Personal identity. Um, so the definition that I kind of found and cobbled together is a person's identity refers to the way they understand themselves and their position in the world. It can encompass a wide range of elements that contribute to who a person is or who they think they are including personal characteristics, values, beliefs, experiences, roles, like our role as a business owner, and affiliations that we that we may have. So these are both internally constructed, which reflect our, our self-conception, our, our story that we've told ourselves or that you know somebody helped tell us us when we were younger, and external influences. So society, culture, interactions, and relationships. So Big definition, but that just to kind of level set to be on the same page, that's the definition of personal identity. Anything that you would add to that? No, I would definitely agree with that. I think it's interesting. I think our society has broken up into more micro identities because now we identify, we used to identify, oh, are you a Canadian or American, right? That was pretty much about, I'm not, you know, I'm sure there's more than that, but, um, you know, it, there were more broad brush identities 
that we had. And it seems like in the last 10 or 15 years, we've kind of identified ourselves in more of a micro tribe group. And I think social media helps with that or hurts, hurts that, but yeah, it fuels that know. certainly. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, that's it. You know, if we look at the components, when I was kind of doing some research and thinking about this, this is a topic I've been given, well, we've talked about quite often, and we've even touched on it on this show. But as I was kind of doing the research and really thinking about this, you can, again, break up identity into different components, the personal component, social, cultural, which you just talked on about as well, um, professional. So, you know, you and I were in sales for a lot, a long time, and that became our identity when we were in the corporate world, right? That was right. when somebody asked us, what do you, who are you? What do you do? We led with that typically. Right. I agree. And now that's... as business owners, we lead with that as well, right? Yeah. And that's a that's something we've always done in business is what do you do? That's not who are you as a person? What do you do? And that becomes obviously becomes a big part of my, our identity. And that's with the work culture that you and I grew up in, that that was very accepted talk about, you know, what do you do? I think the younger generation now has done a better job of not making that a big part of their identity. Agreed. I think that's uh, that's one of the reasons, and we've talked about that often on this show, is why there's a generational gap between us older guys and younger generations. And I've, as I've said often, they they figured it out, right? They saw the example that we gave of being totally married or consumed by our jobs or our businesses. And they have seen the results of that, right? I'm generalizing. Right. And they're like, no, I don't think I want to do it quite. I don't think I want to sacrifice quite to that level. We then interpret that as, oh, these younger people don't have quite the work ethic. But I don't think that's quite the case necessarily. Yeah. I also think their influence, they, they get different influences. So their influences on social media, there are people that can make money on social media, mm -hmm. riding around in a van their whole life and living the van life for two or three years. And they're able to make a living at it because, you know, they're, they're good at what they do and they're, they're good influencers. And people, people are now influenced by those folks that are traveling or living in vans or putting their job in skiing for full time or whatever it is. I think there's those influences where when you and I grew up, we, we didn't have any of those influences. That's right. 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 Um, all right. So occupational identity is specifically the type of identity that I want to focus here on our conversation. And I, I labeled it the, the business owner hero and there's good, bad, and ugly that I want to touch on that. But, mm -hmm. but an occupational identity, just to, to kind of level set a definition is when someone's sense of self is predominantly linked to their profession or job role or occupational identity. Like I'm a doctor or in our case, I'm a business owner. Right. Yes. Um, Let's start with, you know, why that's sometimes necessary. I, I What I've always talked about is that often that sacrifice, that all in is part of what, in my experience, has to happen to get to any level of success. We, we got to be all in to some extent. We have to be willing to make certain sacrifices. And that's how we end up there, in part because we are the one that gets it done, especially in the early stages of starting a business. Right. Yeah. And I think it's being a business owner and seeing some level of success, I do this, I can see some results for it is very satisfying from a self self-worth standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so it sort of feeds it. It's, you know, that whole, whole business owner, I'm successful people, are, you know, people look up to business owners, 
you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're seen in a different light sometimes, you know, that whole circle of entrepreneurs or people that are very driven and, and, you know, very interested in being successful. So there's a lot of juice there that you get a lot of you know, self self-satisfaction, a lot of self uh, affirmation and it feeds on itself. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I mean, it, it wears well, right. If at, if at a cocktail party, you get asked, what do I do? And I say, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. That sounds impressive. Right. So, yeah. So and, and I like it. it. It strokes my ego. So there's definitely, that component to it. I think also though, um, what has to happen to become successful in business. And I did a whole episode on this is you have to embrace decision-making. You have to be, you have to want to be the guy or the gal that makes the decisions, especially the hard decisions, right? Yes. Yes. So we need that, but at the same time, then that becomes, can become our identity in part as well. Right. That's right. And I think that could be the difference between people who want to be business owners versus people that want to be business owners, but have tr trouble being a business owner is actually sitting down and making the hard decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of those, I think, mindset shifts that has to happen and that I've observed that holds people back as to maybe they're not quite ready. As I put it, if you can't envision yourself being the one that has to make the hard decisions, because in the corporate world, even if we're pretty far up on the ladder, we're not making all of the critical decisions, right? Unless we're the CEO. And even then we have other people that help us with that. But in a small business, it typically is just yourself and, and maybe perhaps you have a partner, but every decision has to go through you and your partners and you have to be ready for that. Yeah. Right. Now, the flip side of that is then the only way that it's, it's kind of a catch because the only way then we can scale which includes empowering a team of people to work with us is to now begin to let go of some of that decision-making. And that's a hard identity to let go of, isn't it? It is. It is. And I think that's an evolution that people make as they own businesses. And some people never make it. Some people make it earlier. Some people make it later. I think I made that, that transition later in my business career where and spending a lot of time with, you know, entrepreneurial groups like Dan Sullivan, learning that 80% is okay. And right. if you can get somebody to do 80% of what you do, then that's that's a big win. Because the problem is, you know, when you say, oh, nobody else can do it but me, because I'm I'm the best at it. You're exactly right. You are that's the right. best at it. Yeah, exactly. And I remember you telling me that uh, one time, probably was as you were early days in strategic coach. And that was such a good revelation. It was like you're right. That's, but that's not the point, right? But you're right. You probably are the best rainmaker or the best at doing whatever it is, building the widget or delivering the service. Yeah. But you're missing yeah. the point, right? That's right. And that's where people drop the ball in building a scalable business and a business that's sellable. Um, you know, I know somebody right now that's got a very successful business in Chicago, but it's based on the, that person's personality and that person's ability to sell and that person's relationships that they've built over the last 20 or 30 years. Well, if that person gets hit by a bus or decides to retire, there's not a lot in that. It's going to be difficult to make the transition for the next person who's running or owning that business. Absolutely. You know, I, I always mention uh, on a more blue collar level, my dad is an example who was a master carpenter. 
Mm-hmm. But never could let go of his perfectionism. Nobody could ever do it anywhere near enough. So even at the end of his very successful solopreneurship, he was a one-man shop. Yeah. Right, right. And there's there's so many of them. I'm getting, you know, my my airplane is being worked on by a mechanic who's the same way. You know, mm-hmm. he he's the only individual that can do the billing. He's the only individual that can you know, that can do certain things Mm -hmm. where there are other people that could probably do it if he wanted to spend the energy training those folks, which would free him up to do other things. But I don't, you know, I don't think he'll ever get there. And, you know, even the person who used to work on my car was the same way. He was a great mechanic, but he would always try to hire somebody and was incredibly frustrated because he couldn't tell. They didn't do it the same way he did. Yeah. Yeah. It's the biggest thing is I have a client I'm working with now, and I, I've told him this will be, he's about to go into the first round of hiring somebody now. Mm-hmm. He's been a solopreneur, and now he's going to hire someone. And I told him, listen, this is going to be the biggest challenge you face uh, in on your path to accomplishing your goal of building a business that's just beyond what he can deliver. And And what I told him is, be ready that people are going to disappoint you. You're going to hire people that don't work out. You're going to hire people that don't perform at the level that you're expected. We we have, but as perfectionists, we just we struggle with that because we expect everybody somehow to be motivated the way that we're motivated to do it exactly the same way we would do it. And and if we cannot shift our mindset on that, we will never get over that hump. Yeah, and that was the biggest problem I had is why are these people not motivated the same way I am? I didn't never understood that. Until I finally had the revelation, either through training or consultants that I hired was these people aren't you. You know, mm-hmm. if these people were you, they had where they have their own business. That's right. not. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, there's good to that as well, because as you have helped me understand as well, and down that through Dan Sullivan's teachings is um, they may only do 80% of how you do it. But the surprise is when they do it in a different way or in a slightly better way that you may have never been able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very, very big about hiring people so that they can work in what he calls their unique ability. So if I, I'm really good with the books, but if I hire somebody who's that's their love and they're doing the job, they're going to, they're going to be more involved in it, more interested in it. They're going to probably end up doing a better job than I can. And they're going to teach me some things that I didn't know. Yeah. All right. So this identity that we uh, understandably get into of being the business hero. The the good thing is, the good thing about it is, it, it's an, for most of us, it's what we need, certainly during that startup phase for us as small business owners with limited resources. We do have to do everything. We do have to be the rainmaker. We do have to be the one that makes all of the critical decisions. That's the good part of it. Mm-hmm. The bad is, as we talked about, that then it gets to a point if we want to scale, not everybody wants to scale and that's okay. But if you want to scale beyond what I can deliver individually, then it keeps us from empowering our teams and that keeps us from being able to scale. And the ugly is that you might never let go of that or not let go of it soon enough. And then even when you exit your business, when you eventually do, it's then you're lost as to who the heck am I, yes? Yeah. And I think the further you go down that rabbit hole, the worse it is. Because I saw a lot of success as a business owner. I was, you know, well-regarded in the community. My, 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 my banks loved me. They would always, you know, let me go to the football games or whatever they had tickets to. 
Um, I was, you know, involved in the industry. I was the industry, you know, association president one year. So there was a lot of feeding, you know, of ego and good feelings and everything. And, you know, what I didn't realize is I was setting myself up for a major fall because, you know, that, that fed my immediate gratification of, I'm a business owner. I'm a successful business owner. People appreciate me and people respect me to know when that stopped, what was I going to be after that? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's an equal and opposite reaction to the level that you don't figure this out when it stops for whatever reason, it could be illness. It could be you sold your business. It could be forced retirement. It could be, you know, voluntary retirement making that transition to who you are will be much more difficult if you don't get that balanced out right now. Agreed. All right. I want to unpack that a little bit because there's so much there, especially in your direct experience. If we go back to when you were owning your very successful businesses, I know by having observed it, that in those last, I don't know, five years, certainly, or three to five years, you learned that if you were going to scale, you got into three locations and people in, in that structure that ran the business for you. Part of letting go of the identity is I, I've had people tell me, well, then what, what's my role? What, what do I do now? If I don't, if I'm not the one at the, at the shop every day or at the wash every day, what do I do? So you struggled with that. If you think back to that, what was one or two things that helped you overcome that mindset that, wait a second, I now need to play the role of CEO of leader. And I have to empower my GMs and my regional manager to do what they need to do. Yeah. How did that happen? I'm, I think it was just, I was exhausted from trying to do it all myself. And I probably could have scaled earlier and come up with, you know, five or 10 car washes, but in my mind, and I would literally tell myself this, if I have four car washes, that's going to be at least twice as difficult as having two mm. because of the way I was running them. When I had two, it was incredibly difficult for me to run. And some people had five or 10. I'm like, how are they doing this? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're not doing it as good as I can, or they're not doing it as good as well as I can. And then I finally, you know, got to the point I was too exhausted or there was some epiphany that took place where I realized, you know, you, you don't need to operate it like this. You don't need everything. And, and I use this example a lot. Everything to me was a 10 on the Richter scale. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't judge the difference between you know, a big issue and an issue that I probably could just let go. And when I finally did that, that made me more relaxed, more comfortable. My blood pressure probably went down. And I was actually enjoying being a business owner at that time when I finally let go. And you're right, you go from being the person. And that's why, Henry, you deal with a lot of small business owners who it's a single shop, single. Solopreneur, yep. Yeah, um, individual who's running it. And there, you know, that transition from that to how do I scale this? How do I help? How do I get five people in the shop doing the same work? And how do I teach them to become what they can become? That's much, much different than, you know, nobody can do this as well as I can. Absolutely. It is, it is the big chasm. There, there's a chasm at the beginning that keeps people who just talk about starting a business to actually take on the risk and the challenge of making it happen. And then there's this other chasm that happens some point after that startup to cross over to scaling. And 
uh, when my experience is a large number of people never make it across that chasm. I think you're right. I think a lot of people never make it. And unfortunately, the people that are really good are the ones that have the most difficulty making that transition. Agreed. Yeah, it could be brilliant uh, folks. Again, going back to my dad, he was um, regarded. I mean, his work spoke for itself. I mean, he was a master craftsman. He created art in wood, um, yet could never, never cross that chasm. Yeah. Um, quote from Stephen R. Covey that, that I thought was appropriate here. Stephen R. Covey said, uh, we, quote, we are not our successes. We are not our failures. Our true identity lies in our ability to grow, to adapt, and to always strive for improvement, end quote. Sure. Yeah. I think that, that put it pretty succinctly there as to what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who are you at the moment versus who are you throughout your whole life? Yeah. Is there, I, I think this, this is a tough question for you, but is there anything that you could have done differently that might've better prepared you for what you went through after you sold your highly successful business? Or it was just, or was it just, you had to fight through that. There was no way around it. I think, obviously, I think I went too far down the rabbit hole of, you know, enjoying the 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 identity that I had, not thinking it was going to be difficult when I, when I shifted. I, I, there wasn't anybody standing behind me said, you know what, you really need to work on who you are as David, rather than who you are as the owner of these businesses. There, there was, there was nobody. So you know, I just, I ran down the road, I went down. And then when I, you know, pivoted, it became very difficult to figure out what was next. Unfortunately, it was about the same time as COVID kicked into play. Mm. So everybody was wondering what was happening anyway. And right. so the, the, doubling that with me and, you know, dealing with, with COVID, I think was, was really a challenge. And so I bounced around, did a few things that I didn't like or whatever, but yeah, I mean, I think you can prepare. I think you, you know, this is like the discipline of working out where, you know, when you get to when you're 10 years from now, you're still in good shape. You know, you did that because you did a little bit every day and you kind of redefined yourself physically. I think you need to redefine yourself from an identity standpoint and you need to put some energy and effort into identifying yourself as as a whole person rather than you know, just this particular slot because, you know, we, we play a lot of different roles Agreed. in our lives, you Agreed. know, and, you know, we're, we're, we're both fathers and that's a role we play. That's an identity we have. Now we don't, we don't always get a pat on the back for that. Right. Um, and so it didn't feed that. Right. So you don't really focus on the fact that you and I raised great kids and they're doing well. And you, you don't think about that because you don't get the kudos like you that's get right. when you're in, when you're in business yeah, and you're seeing, yeah. You're seeing success in your business. Yeah. Again, going back to the cocktail party, uh, if I say, well, I'm, I'm a great father, it's like, oh, okay, interesting. Right? <laughs> Nobody wants to talk anymore about away. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, you're arrogant. Great. Um, so yeah, no, it's, that's well said. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. So I always said, you know, and I haven't done this, but I wish I could have, but I said, you know what? I, I don't want to be known as David, the car wash owner. I just want to be known as David. Exactly. In all of the multifaceted roles that you play in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Being, having been a successful and still a successful entrepreneur is part of that, but it's only a part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did go through that exercise with Julia Waller from Strategic Coach, which was the unique ability 
uh, workshop. It's a one-on-one -on -one workshop for a whole day, which is really cool. But but it actually says, what are you really good at? And the one thing I've identified that I, I've kind of seen a pattern with uh, throughout my, my career is how do you make things better? So I'm a person that really likes to take something and say, how can we make this better? How can we optimize this? How can we fix this? And if I look at, you know, any, any boards I've been on, any businesses I've been in, uh, you know, helping around the house, trying to fix things, how can we make things better? It's kind of always been my mantra. So if I kind of make that my identity, right. as opposed to, you know, I'm, this is what I, you know, make money at, then I think it, it starts bringing you back to, you know, what, who, who are you as an individual? Who are you, Henry, as an individual? What do you like to do? Um, and it takes away the particular job you have right now. Absolutely. And so I, I love the way you put that because I like to make things better the way that our mind has been wired, I would say, and then make a business out of that, right? <laughs> but it yeah. can be the way I make things better at my home, in my relationships, in my community, uh, you know, micro or macro, uh, that can be applied to all of the components of your life. Right, right. And so that that that's something that that's more of an identity as Dave, here's a characteristic of me. And here's how I've applied that characteristic in different facets of my life. Yep. This is Henry Lopez briefly pausing this episode to invite you to join me for one of my next live online workshops. During these interactive workshops, I cover a specific topic that will help you with starting and growing your small business. Just visit thehowofbusiness.com to learn more and to register. If you need help creating an effective business plan, for example, to start your first small business, then my next business plan workshop may be just what you need. Or perhaps you need help completing your financial projections for your new business. Well, I have a workshop for that too. And if you're already operating your business, then you can probably benefit from learning how to better manage the cash in your business by attending my cash flow management online workshop. These are just a few of the workshops that I currently offer. And I keep these workshops to a small number of participants so that we have the time to answer all of your questions, whether it's getting started with your first business or growing and exiting your existing small business, I can help you get there with one of my online workshops to find out more and to register for a live online workshop, please visit the Take that next step today towards finally realizing your business ownership dreams. I look forward to having you join me for my next workshop. Okay, so if you're listening and this has been resonating with you, um, and, and hopefully it is, it's because, again, you, you probably see yourself either in this place or heading that way. And again, it's, it's very natural, very normal. Again, there's benefits to it. But the good news, as we've alluded to, is that you can change your identity or better said is you can evolve your identity and that's the good news. Yeah. And I, or I think you can better identify your identity. If Wait, I what do you mean there? Use that work is, is who, who are you as an individual and what are some of the core values you have okay. Okay. Um, as, as an individual? In I other think words, your true identity as opposed to the, that hero costume that you might be wearing as the successful entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, is what 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 are the attributes of you that makes you the business hero? 
because yeah. that that can apply whether you've got the business or you don't have the business. Exactly. Like we just talked about with you with with wanting to improve things. Right, right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. We're not going to go into a lot of detail. I'm going to have the whole list of, you know, I've got a list of eight things to consider as you're evolving or identifying what is your identity, whatever, however you might want to look at it. But but another quote that that I that I made a note of is from Tim Ferriss on this topic. And the quote is this from Tim Ferriss, quote, the question you should be asking isn't what do I want or what are my goals, but what would excite me? Remember that your identity is not locked in. It's fluid. You can redefine yourself as many times as there are stars in the sky, end quote. So I think that that was appropriate here in that we can redefine ourselves. We can reinvent ourselves. That's that's a fantastic thing that we have as an option in our lives. Yeah. And if you're looking to to accomplish some big goals, whether they're they're business goals or personal goals, or you know, you want to run a marathon or half a marathon or you know, ride a century with your bike, you know, that's that's an example of, you know, those those things as far as, you know, you you can you can change your identity. And if you read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. He talks about one of the best ways to accomplish goals is to take on the identity of the person that you want to be. So if you want to ride a century in your bike, if you took on the identity of a cyclist, so what is a what is a good, you know, avid cyclist do? You know, as far as training programs, what they eat, how they exercise, how they ride, what type of rides do they do? And if, if you took on that identity of that person, you know, then you're more likely to achieve that particular goal. But I, it's really interesting because just thinking about this, that James Clear talks about, you know, it, to be successful, you take on that identity. And I think that's what we do in business, maybe, Henry, is we take mm-hmm. on the identity of a business owner. Absolutely. And that makes us successful. But, you know, when when you said you could be, you know, the Tim Ferriss quote about being fluid, we could take on any identity we want. That's to. right. That's right. So that's and, actually, and that's, and that's the freedom in life, right? That's that, that is though, what, what I love about that is that is one of the reasons I wanted to be a business owner and an entrepreneur. I wanted to have more control as to my destiny, but how I got there. And I have the right to change that path at any point in time. Right. Right. Agreed. Okay, so let's talk about a few of these things. First is what, you know, we've uh, first and foremost, as it is with a lot of these types of things, is acknowledging that there's, you have a need and a desire to re-evolve, redefine or evolve your personal identity. It has to start there. You have to become conscious of this before you can do anything else, right? Yeah, and I think for if you're a business owner, you've really got to take a hard look at yourself and say, do I get most of my kudos and most mm-hmm. of my juice out of being a business owner? Is that where my identity lies? And I think that's a that's a risky proposition because if that ever changes, if the economic situation ever changes, if you ever sell your business, you know, lots lots of reasons why businesses can go sideways. And mm-hmm. you've you've identified yourself as that. It's going to be a lot more challenging for you to 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 actually pivot. Yeah, you know, it, it relates to here since you touch on that. Why it's so hard. When we tie ourselves to being the successful business owner, to a big extent, what we're tying to ourselves to is I, I, I make money. I have money. 
And if that happens to take a bump or we have a failure, boy, that's that's a that can be a devastating blow to our ego and to our identity, right? Because because as we put everything in that part of our identity. Yeah. And one great example I meant to bring up earlier, but I want to bring it up now is athletes have a real issue with this. Apollo Ono read a book called Hard Pivot, and I listened to a podcast that he was on, but talked about the challenges of high level athletes once they reach a certain level of success. Like Apollo Ono was a gold medalist in the Olympics. And when he had to retire from the sport, how difficult that was it's difficult for professional you know think about football athletes absolutely when they have to retire and that was their entire identity for most of their life and it is gone in a heartbeat yeah and just if, the average nfl career is like three to five years or something like that yeah right? yeah i mean if, if you get a guy in his late 20 early 30s who's playing i mean that's that's an old man playing football mm-hmm. but but these people have spent their whole life they've invested everything if you're in a if you're going to be an Olympic athlete, we got the Olympic right. Training Center here in Colorado Springs. And I remember taking a tour of it and we saw Apollo Ono was Is training right? on the sidewalks and they had these huge rubber bands around their waist. Hmm. And he was leaning at a 45 degree angle against that band hmm. with, with somebody holding it so that he could build up those muscles to go around the curve on the ice rink. And you know, you think about the dedication of he lived at the Olympic Training Center. He 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 could have lived anywhere, but he wanted to live at the Olympic Training Center with all the other athletes so he could immerse himself. But that was that was their lives. I mean, right. you, you're training for four years for a shot, only a shot <laughs> at, at being in the Olympics. Uh, my you know, the person that's my personal trainer, he trains a lot of skaters who are trying to work their way up. There's hundreds of trainers that are skating for three slots. And so think about those people who are putting everything they're into that they can. Their their parents are putting everything they can from moving to Colorado Springs, you know, hiring coaches, traveling, whatever needs to be done for them to even have a potential shot at being on the Olympic team. And so when that doesn't work out or... Or, or the career it, is over. Yeah. Or, or or worse yet, it really works out and you get a gold medal and that, you're done. Yeah. yeah. And then you're well, done. You know, now, now, and your I? whole life has been been built for that. That That is a great example of an identity crisis. And, the, you know, I think Apollo Ono talks about there's a high level of suicide, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, these, in athletes when they can't do their sport anymore. Yeah. And that's such a perfect analogy, David, because if we translate that to a business owner, it's what I was talking about earlier. You you must be all in on an identity to get there, right? So so he had to become nothing but an athlete in training. Nothing else, everything else was sacrificed. Right. That was necessary for him to get there. Right. The challenge is now, if we keep it now to business, is similarly, that's often what we have to do to, to get our business started and to get it to success. Sure. But then how do we scale? How do we begin to step back? Because that is not sustainable, not only for ourselves, but for our business. And therein lies the challenge, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. And if you're going to start changing your identity from being the knowledge worker to managing people, that's 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 a transition I think we all need to make, whether we have one or two employees or, or if, you know, if we, even if we just have one that 
you know, ourselves, we, we need to be able to figure out how to at least transition the identity. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, what often we end up with is either an exhausting business that's really at the end of the day, a lower paying job that when we could go get with somebody else. You know? Right. Right. All right. So acknowledge, I'm just going to go through these quickly and then we'll, we'll touch on any of them if they spark some conversation, uh, cultivate personal interests outside of work, outside of your business. We chatted about that. Setting boundaries between work and personal life. Now I, I've talked a lot about on this show. I, I, I don't believe you can separate the two completely and that's okay. But the boundaries there, uh, there need to be some boundaries, especially to what are you willing to sacrifice in the way of your personal relationships in particular and your health. And so setting boundaries there is important. A supportive network. I think that's a huge one, David. Being a business owner can be very isolating because often for us, the circle of friends or family that we have, while they're supportive and loving, they don't understand what we're going through. And so it's important, especially if we're just ourselves. Now, that's the beauty of having a partner. We need a network that supports us. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it, you know, we think about our careers, Henry, and when we sold software, we were traveling all the time, but we had very supportive spouses mm -hmm. who were very, it would have been incredible. We've had colleagues whose wives were not supportive and how difficult that was for that individual to try to navigate the fact they've got to be gone. Yeah. Um, I, sometimes I wish my wife wasn't as supportive. <laughs> I wish she <laughs> like if she would have put up a bit more that. boundaries, that might've helped yeah. in all seriousness. Yeah. It might've helped us with our, um, not becoming so consumed by either our careers or our businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That if I go back and look at some regrets, I wish I could have done over. I would have set better boundaries with my personal life and my family life. And I would have been present and focused when I was with my family. And, you know, part of my ADD doesn't let me do that as effectively as maybe other people, but I wished I would have been more focused with my family and enjoyed that time more when they were younger. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about there on, on that item of setting boundaries, cultivating personal uh, relationships, uh, invest in personal development. We've touched on repeatedly here. We've talked about strategic coach and Dan Sullivan. You and I are both big readers as, as are most of our listeners here. And, and that's, it's a continuous learning. So we have to learn, learn from others. We need to read and educate. We need to get a coach or participate in a program. Whatever we need to get that help and, and direction is critical to invest in ourselves. Yeah, there's so many mastermind groups for business people to join. There's Vistage. There's lots of different groups that you can join where you can, you can visit with. And I think that was the brilliance of Strategic Coach is you were around like-minded individuals. And mm -hmm. most of the value we got was amongst each other. We right. got some great information from Dan and his team, but, you know, working with each other, I've, I've got some really good friends that I'm mm -hmm. still good friends with uh, from Strategic Coach. Um, you worked for an individual that I was in Strategic Coach with. Yep, you did some work absolutely. for them. Um, so yeah, it, it made such a difference. And yeah, I they, you can't really underestimate those things. So one of the keys that we touched on where it manifests itself is in how you delegate and trust your team as you start to build a team. One of our early episodes, episode 26, which I'll have a link to on the show notes page, or you can just search for it at thehowabusiness.com. We called that episode, How to Delegate Effectively to Grow Your Small Business, including 
a uh, worksheet that that you put together and then I refined on helping people with delegating because that is kind of where the rubber meets the road often on having or making this shift is to properly empower your teams. And so that's critical as you make this transition. Yeah, I would say delegate to your team, understanding they're probably not going to do it as well as you're going to do it. And it's going to be an evolutionary process. And I would say for the trust part, trust that your team wants to do the best job. So if you can make that particular trust, you can get over a lot of these other things. But the, the one of my big, big uh, pivot points or, you know, transitions was when when I finally said, you know what, everybody wants to do why everybody wants to do a good job. And it's my job to figure out a, how to help them do a good job. And that's, right. for me, that was the trust, was trusting that, trusting my people. Um, you know, they, they they really had the company's best interest in mind. Agreed. All right. Uh, so you can find the detail if, if you want more of that and, and go through all eight steps. Go to the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. Well, we'll take a pause here. David, update us on what's going on. Your your focus these days, other than enjoying your well-deserved uh, life, is uh, Car Wash OS. So just update us on what's going on. Yeah, so we're doing uh, operational consulting for car wash owners, whether they're new investors or existing car wash owners. I was asked to sort of start this business uh, to kind of fill some gaps and some offerings that some larger companies had. So we're currently developing that. I've got a partner that is working with me that uh, is excited about it. And we are seeing some success with our consulting offerings and helping people get better at what they do, you know, giving them the tools that they need to be successful. It really focuses on how do you kind of develop good operational standards? How do you develop the right content? How do you train and reinforce what you want to do in your business? And you know, this, this could be, you know, transferable to lots of different businesses, but mm -hmm. we've just focused on the the car wash business. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's one of the areas where you have incredible expertise. You're, you are going to be with car wash OS at a booth at the upcoming big annual show of the industry, right? Yeah. We've got a couple of shows. We've got the Southwest regional show at the end of the month for February 27th through March 1st. And then the large international car wash association their show is May 13th through 15th in Nashville. So it's going to be in Nashville this year. One of the reasons I bring that up, not only because people should come and, and visit you if they're there, but uh, we're talking about on, on these, what to do, the, the being able to get with a network of other people or to leverage others that are doing the same thing. One of the things that I found as I went into the car wash business with you is this incredible uh, system and network and this uh, independent national international organization that's there as a resource which you do not find in a lot of other industries so it's a really if you're thinking about investing or being part of the car wash industry i think attending one of these shows is is a brilliant opportunity to learn and network yeah definitely you can learn a lot and get exposed to it and have a better understanding i think the car wash industry was very much an independent investor mm -hmm. you know uh industry for years it's it's evolved in the last five to 10 years. And there's a lot more private equity entering the market, but it was very much a individual owning, you know, one or five car washes. If you had 10 car washes, you were a giant in the industry, but 
And now, it, you know, some of these people own hundreds of car washes. Yeah, starting to get more consolidated. But, still, still mostly fragmented, but starting to be more consolidated. Very much. So, there, But it, it kind of has that feel, right, where people are yes, willing to help. Exactly. You can talk to folks. You You're know, you can become share. friends with somebody who owns a car wash in the, the town you live in. So yeah. it still has very much that feel. And I, I loved it. I loved being a part of it. Yeah, it exists in some other industries. So my, my encouragement to those listings, regardless of what industry you're in or getting into, look to see if there are organizations like that that you can participate in. Don't allow yourself to stay isolated. Uh, network with other business owners is very powerful. Exactly. All right. As for myself, you know, obviously the, the big thing I encourage people to do if they think I might be able to help them is I invite you to schedule a free coaching consultation with me. There's no obligation. We'll spend a little bit of time on the phone, get to know each other, understand what it is you're trying to accomplish, whether it's getting launched, starting your first business, or growing an existing business. And then we can figure out if if one of my coaching programs might be a fit for you. So just go to thehowabusiness.com to schedule a free consultation. If you want to learn more about David, go to carwashos.com. And I'll have a link for that as well on the show notes page. Yeah. And if you're in LinkedIn, we're trying to build our LinkedIn community. So find me on LinkedIn and say you heard the podcast. I'd appreciate it. That'd be a great, great feeling for me. If you heard the podcast, if you can join, you know, we can connect on LinkedIn. That would be fun. David Begin, B-E-G-I-N. Uh, I don't think there's too many David Begins, so it should be pretty easy to find you. Yeah, there's actually a few. Are there on LinkedIn as well? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was okay. actually a guy I worked with at what we did. We did sales training. If you remember, uh-huh. there, there was an individual in Canada and he had the same name. I Really? Did. Yeah. And interesting uh, that your family, your mom lives in Canada, right? So that's my grandmother and my granddad were from, from Canada. Yeah, so there's, there, there's a, there's a lot of begins and begins. Okay. Yeah. You'll Canada. find David. Otherwise go to the show notes page. You'll find a link to his information. We touched on various books. We mentioned Dan Sullivan's Future Coach. You mentioned Atomic Habits, which I haven't read yet, but is on my list. Um, Apollo we, Ono. Apollo Ono. You mentioned him as another resource or somebody to learn from his book. Uh, the book I'm reading right now is Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. Chris Voss. Chris Voss. Yeah. Have you yeah. read that? Yeah. I've, you know, I've got it. I don't I've yeah, I know. <laughs> That's my it. challenge too. I'm trying to do better this year of actually reading the books as opposed to I know. previewing I'm, them. I'm, I, I, I feel good when I buy books, but then I got to get to the point. I'm actually love buying them, books. So. My wife looks at me as like, I'm looking, as I look over here, I'm looking at my stack of books. That's just <laughs> this stack of books, by the way. I and I read multiple books at the same time, which which is fine. But anyway, oh, that's tough. Yeah. what else would you recommend as a book that you've either read recently or that you would recommend? Yeah, the one I'm reading right now is by a doctor called Peter Atia called Longevity. And he talks about, you know, some of the things we need to think about in order to live a long, healthy life. He's not just a fan of living a long life, but he's a fan of living a healthy life. And so he's uh, he he talks about medicine 3.0. And that's what he's focused on is, you know, not just fixing the problems, but how do we set ourselves up for success long-term to live a healthy life? He's got a great podcast called The Drive, which I enjoy. And, uh, you know, he really interviews some, he's one of these podcasters that goes one and a half to three hours. <laughs> like Ferris. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, he's kind of a long, long form content individual, but it's some really good stuff and I, I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Thanks for the recommendation. I'll have links to all of that on the show notes page 
at thehowwithbusiness.com. All right, we'll wrap it up. We always wrap it up with what are the key takeaways. So let me just kind of rattle these off and then and then I'll get your your thoughts. Um, your identity is based predominantly, if it is particular, based predominantly on your business accomplishments or failures. That's not a healthy thing. That's not a full developed or full realized identity. It might be what you needed to do to get you there, as it is for a lot of us. But if you've listened this far, is because a lot of this resonated with you. And the good news is that you can evolve it. You can change or redefine your identity. Or as David said, identify what, what your identity really it is. What is it? And then focus on that. It starts by acknowledging that, that you've got a challenge here and accepting and having a desire and a need. You have to want to and need to make something change. It's not easy. <laughs> it will not be easy. But you can do it, and we, we many of us do it and have to do it. Get help along the way, whether it's something that you read or a coach like myself or whomever else you might have, a network of people, you know, all of that is critical to helping you make that transition to evolving your identity. If you don't, one of the negatives is not only will you suffer personally, we can speak to that from experience, but it'll be almost impossible for you to scale your business. Thoughts uh, uh, on closing, David? Yeah, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking, don't make your identity one-dimensional. You need to have a multi-dimensional identity uh, in order to be healthy. And, and like we've talked about, if you need to dedicate some time and make it predominantly one identity, that's fine. There's a lot of risk to that. And if you don't, you don't pivot that relatively soon in your life, you're going to always identify with a one-dimensional identity and when that changes, it's going to be difficult for you to, to kind of get up off the ground and, and figure it out. So really make, you know, make your identity multidimensional. Well said. This is Henry Lopez. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My co-host is David Begin. I release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including The How of Business YouTube channel, my website, thehowofbusiness.com, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.